Producers without a clue. Seriously? That's what they call animation nowadays? How do you even sell a show? What the hell is a production packet? Oh yeah, it's gonna be animated. It's gonna be real cool. Wait, who's animating this thing? You've gotta believe in your own ideas. Everyone is pitching ideas! What do you have to join the Illuminati? We just have to do it our way! Animation has warped my sense of reality. I didn't tell him to draw that! <laughs> oh, it's all about the demographic. Producers Without a Clue podcast, episode six? six. Yes. Number six, and I'm Brian Finley, and my property is Mimsy and Dusty, and you are? I'm Michael Cook. I am uh, the creator of Chucky Chicken. I am also the co-founder of Valley Studios. Welcome back. Welcome. Happy um, New Year. We made it. It's the first podcast of the new year. Yeah, well... I mean, the first one we're, we're we are recording. recording. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, man, what a what a weird year! And as of the recording date of this podcast, uh, we're dealing with things like uh, people storming Capitol Hill in in the U.S. Yeah, or I, I, mean, I don't know what you call it. The con- congressional. No, you're right. It, uh, the Capitol building. Um, yeah. yeah the I, I mean. Yeah. Stuff that uh, we read about in social studies and thought, oh, well, that would never happen nowadays because we've learned so much and we can look back on history and say, well... It's true what they say, that history repeats itself. Over and over. Yes. You know, know, sinners can repent, but stupid is forever, as my grandmother always said. (laughs) I love that. I love that. Um, and she is the wisest woman that I know, except for my mother, just saying. Yeah. And my future wife, whenever I meet her. So, but, um, so, but <laughs> shout out know, to the like imaginary to woman political. out there. Um, I'm centrist when it comes to that kind of stuff. So I'm kind of, yeah. I see it from both sides of the, you know, of the, um, of the, uh, uh of the coin. Uh, I'm like Peter Jennings, you know, uh, you know, you you got one coin, but you you always want to turn it over and see the other side. Yeah, um, yeah. I don't agree with the math. I mean, this has just been the roughest year as a society. That's I mean, we all know this. We've dealt with coronavirus. We've done with more riots than we know what to deal with. We've done with floods. We've done with, uh, you know, fires. We've done with lockdowns. We've dealt with it all. It's pretty much like God is testing all the apocalyptic matter, you know, yeah. ways of the apocalypse and saying, ooh, what does this one do? Ooh, let's try this one, you know? It's and like he hired see- someone new. He delegated that job. Yeah. And the person hired is just seeing what every button does, <laughs> you know? <Exactly. laughs> so it's yeah. very, it's, it is interesting. Uh, and that's all we can do at this point is we can pray, we can laugh, we can... Uh, we need to move forward. You know, we are alive yeah. today. We are here for a purpose. We woke up this morning. It's we made it to the new year. We've been blessed with another year. The goal now is to move forward. And to bring it around to creativity, um, it definitely it definitely has an impact on uh, productions across the board because uh, when the politics and the the economy isn't doing well. That's one thing. But when you have, um, like, cancel culture uh, 
triggering uh, buzzwords out there and everything, it, it can completely uh, eliminate productions, period. Right. Right. And, and it's just it's just so crazy right now. We are in a um, we're in we're, over we're in the upside down, as uh, Christina Pazitsky says. <laughs> She's a stand up comedian and uh, she keeps saying we're living in the upside down. And we are we're we're in the upside down. If you watch uh, Stranger Things on Netflix, the whole world's inside out and upside down. And well, now I, I out of that, though. Hopefully, a lot of good things happen. I mean, yeah. hopefully, we get to a a place where finally uh, people are just treated equally because you're a person. Right. I, like you know that that would be cool. You know, that it's was... <laughs> yeah. I've had convers I've had conversations with people where you know, um, again, I don't want to get too political on this show. Mm -hmm. That's for another podcast that I'm not invited on. But whatever. Uh, <laughs> and I don't want to be because I'm not about politics. Whoa. That's you know that's why I I'm in cartoons. You know I yeah, I, but I feel I, like we just opened up some drama. <laughs> <laughs> Could this be the last episode of the of the producers without a clue? <laughs> I don't know. Forget it. Yeah, it'll yeah. take a lot more than that to get rid of us. Yeah, um, not much more, but yeah, more. but. We are in a, we, you know, I, I spoke with um, a potential voice actor not too long ago, and I told her about a character on our show, and, uh, you know, Choo Chipmunk, which everybody loves, or loved, has loved for the past 10 years, but now with this cult, with this cancel culture, I mean, as far back as even a year ago, when celebrating the Lunar New Year with Choo Chipmunk, I got complaints about him being racist. And I, that opened my eyes a little bit. I'm like, huh, mm -hmm. okay, what can I do to fix that? You know, because yeah. he hasn't spoken in any cartoon so far. I mean, not a major role. Um, he just, you know, but I don't know. We are in a very sensitive world. And there is something to be said for blatantly attacking a culture and attacking uh, somebody because of where you're from, the color of your skin, who you're attracted to, that, you know, attacking people is never okay. Making yeah. light of a situation, I think, you know, in a, you know, there's always room for satire. There's always room. If you cannot laugh at yourself, you can't laugh at anything. You know, that's what I... Well, that's what the issue is right mm -hmm. now. People have lost the uh, ability... To laugh at themselves. Yeah, because they take themselves... Right across the board. Right. Right across the board. It's very appropriate that the Joker said, why so serious in The yeah. Dark Knight? You know, everyone is so serious. And I don't know if it's the generation before us that was like, this is what you need to do. This is the kind of person that you need to be, blah, 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 blah. I don't know if our generation is just scared to stand up and say, because we don't want to hurt other people. We've well, seen you and I are also having this conversation from a white privileged perspective sure. as well. Sure. Um, and so there are a lot of, uh, a lot of things we're not taking into account sure. that I'm sure are, right. if, if we were educated and we would be like, oh yeah, of course. We're you the know. enemy. We're white. We're male. We're straight. We're heterosexual. 
You know, like we are we are the enemy to today's world, unfortunately, because like our our way of life has been the norm in this country, at least for the past two and a half centuries. And now. Yeah, I I guess you're right about that. I I don't uh, see it's weird. I I don't think of myself as uh, anti. I'm not an anti-person. The only thing I'm anti is anti-hate. I'm anti-people who are dicks. Yeah. Anti-jackass. Don't be a dick. That's what I am. I'm anti-jackass. Yeah. But, uh, but I understand that. Uh, like I, I was reading articles um, about in animation and stuff. There, There's a, a lot of... Uh, changes happening in animation with voiceover actors and uh, role assignment. And just because you can mimic an accent uh, doesn't uh, mean that you should and that type of thing. And I actually agree with all that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, whole story plots of what was okay 10 years ago is just not okay now. And and in many, many ways, that is a very good thing because we're awakening up. It's called woke for a reason. But there has to be rationale with it. And, and that's right? the medium. You know, the, the entertainment yeah. medium, as far back as the Nickelodeons of the, light, of the early 20th century, you know, yeah. there were things that you could do in 1920 that you could not do by 1930. You know, yep. that's why they have. And I'm sure the, every yeah. generation had these conversations. Oh, yeah. of, well, back in my day, yeah. we just, back you know. Back in my day, you could flash a tit and not get in trouble for it, you know. Right. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. But I I think every 20, 25 years, there's a, a new level of wokeness that is coming about in the last 150 years type thing right. uh, that is reflected in the media. But during that in-between time, there's nobody really notices. And then on that last 25th year, it's like, bam, here we are. Right. Um we're we're all talking about new things, new perspectives, new ideas, and a lot of it's really great. A lot of it is uh, so extreme that you become what you hate, right? right. And, and I actually have a very you, big problem about that. If you look back twenty five years ago, you know, uh, nineteen ninety six. You know what was going on in nineteen ninety six? You know, I was not to make you feel old, but I was eight years old. In 1996, you know. Oh, you um, bastard! <laughs> I was a kid, you know. Yeah. So it, it just like you look back at it now, and you you know I don't have those like 25 years from now I will remember everything. I will remember 9/11. I remember remember uh, the storming of the Capitol. I remember uh, the Trump administration. I will remember um, you know all everything that has happened in my lifetime. From 2001 all the way to today, 20 years. Mm-hmm. It's insane yeah. what happens in 20 years. The world was a completely different place. I mean, totally. it felt safer, but then technology evolved. And I think that's that's the, the danger 
I, again, I don't want to get too political. We're supposed to be about, you know, yeah. um, you know, we're producers without a clue, you know, not producers, yeah. you know, with 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 bad political advice. But the one thing that I could say, you know, if you are um, I, I do want to give my condolences to all the people in Washington, D.C., um, for those who were affected by that terrible, terrible uh, storming of the Capitol. Um, I do pray for our government. I do pray for the people running our country. Um, I even do pray for our current president. He is obviously very disturbed. Uh, he has a lot of issues that needs to be taken care of. And the only person that this, the only thing that can take care of him at this point is the Lord. Dr. That's all, Phil. That's all we can do. There's nothing Dr. that we Phil. can do on this earth. We got to give it to a higher power. And that's who I'm giving it to. But I pray for President-elect Biden, for Kamala Harris, for the administration, for the people who govern and, uh, you know, make the decisions on behalf of the people of this country. I pray that we will get better. I pray that as a nation, we will start to heal. I pray that we will start to look at each other, not as white, black, Hispanic, Latina, Asian, Middle Eastern, what have you, but as a person, you know, that's... I, I hope for all of that as well. And you, see, the thing is, everything we're talking about, the political stuff, um, it actually it affects Hollywood. And I throw anything animation-related under the Hollywood umbrella because mm-hmm. it is a, a branch of show business, oh, right? yeah, 100%. Yeah, so it it's really hard for for us to continue in in a marketplace that is hanging on by a thread, not just because of COVID, but the uncertainty of uh, the country that the entire world bases their economy off of, right? Every year um, we so, have something, you know? Last yeah. year we just had everything all at once, you know? You know, 2019, I think the biggest thing that I can remember happening that was terrible uh, was the uh, the burning of Notre Dame Cathedral? You know that mm. was one big one. You know, yeah. I mean, other than that, I can't really think of anything like super duper major that happened in 2019. I mean, I'm sure yeah. there was. I, I I can't really think of it. 2018. I mean, we all have our our own lives to live. We all have our own problems that we're dealing with. You know, yeah. once we get out of each other's problems and we deal with our own, we can then better ourselves to help other people but that's not going to start until this changes and we fix this yeah you know well in moving on to talking about animation stuff and our productions and and that type of thing um we have to deal with uh all everything we just talked about Mm -hmm. affects everybody mentally emotionally and and whatnot we are, as producers, we're always looking for people to work on our projects. And I have found in the last week that the world events has robbed all the people I know, uh, robbed them of their motivation. Just totally, they, they're just... They're wiped out. It's been a year. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, been, it's been one of those years where... You don't know what's going to happen, but you think it can't get worse. Oh, wait. Yes, it does. 
you know, well, it, it certainly can't get worse. It's like, give me that freaking shovel. I'll show you how, you know, we're going to make it to China by the time yeah. we're done here. <laughs> yeah. And for creative people, we all tend to be very empathic, right? Um, it it really does. It wears on you. It, it It's like a weighted blanket mm-hmm. put on top of your imagination. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's it's as, really... Yeah. And as producers and directives and uh, people in charge in the creative process, it's our job to not necessarily cover up the bad. You don't want to cover it up. You don't want to say there's nothing wrong going on. Forget about it. Move on. You want to be you. You want to encourage them saying, listen, yes, the world is messed up, but this is why we have to keep going. This is yeah. why we have to keep moving forward because there are people out there that need what we provide. You know, if you go back to the the Great Depression of the 1930s, you know, almost 100 years ago, in 1929, the American stock market crashed. And it was the most catastrophic uh, financial and economic history uh, uh, situation in the history of our country, barring the Great Recession of the early 2000s, early to mid 2000s, but I digress. Um, People spent more money that year on not only food, but entertainment. They went to the movie theaters. That's why characters like Mickey Mouse, Popeye, Betty Boop, Donald Duck, Bugs Bunny, Porky Pig, all of those characters that came out of that 1930s era Uh, are so revered and so special because they had a job to do. They had to entertain the audience. They had to take them out of the world that they were living in there and transport Mm -hmm. them into a world of laughter, of hilarity, where things don't always make sense. But the good guy always wins in the end. He gets the girl. There's music. There's fun. there's, There's just a lot going on. People counted on the movies. They counted on the cartoons. They counted on, I mean, that's why the Three Stooges are revered. That's why the Marx Brothers are revered. Why folks like, um, you well, know. Well, people Humphrey want Bo- the escapism. Right. Of it. You and know, I they feel just like- want to forget how sucky their lives are. Correct. For X amount of time. Correct. You know, and that has a big value. Uh, people will pay for that. Um, pay a fair price, right? Um, Look at Disney. You, what I love about Disneyland in particular is when you go to that park, you pay your admission, you're in front of the, the train station with the Mickey Mouse floral, and then there's two ways that you can go in. And then above the, the entry on, on the train station, there's a sign. And on that plaque, and it says, here you leave today and mm-hmm. enter the world of yesterday, tomorrow, in fantasy and that is very 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 real when you walk through that gate and you walk under that bridge and you are on main street usa in disneyland you are transported to a whole new world you are excited you are ready to experience everything that that land has to offer you the fact that it has been closed now going on almost a year says a lot about the state of our our creativity and the uh, and the state of where we are creatively, yeah. and you know we need that. We we need it more than ever. We need Disneyland. We need 
animation. We need entertainment. We need it. You know, we're, we're, we're inside. People are using streaming services. They're watching stuff on YouTube. Some of them, if they have them, they're busting out the DVDs and God bless them. They're VHSs. God, mm. you know, if they still have them and they are going back and they are watching and they are, they are staying inside. So us as content creators, as people in this industry, it is our responsibility to make high quality entertainment that will allow somebody to laugh. In my opinion, you can make them laugh. Okay, so it's our responsibility, but what tools do we have as independent producers to make that happen? We have We're up our... against the wall. We don't have financing. Mm -hmm. um, we don't have... Uh, because of no financing, that's really the big umbrella. We don't have access to top talent, uh, quick turnaround times, and it just keeps trickling down. So the financing enigma, um, and, and I, I really hope that as the audience grows uh, for this podcast, hopefully it does, people doing, will I'm go back. I'm doing everything I can to help. Yeah, yeah, and... It, that's awesome. I appreciate it very much. Um, but I hope people will go back and hear this episode because I would really be curious uh, for people who have gone out and I don't want to hear crowdfunding. I think crowdfunding doesn't work anymore. People You're are right. sick of it. May I, may I offer uh, a bit of advice that kept me going? Yeah. Ever since I was a kid, I've always wanted to make movies. I've always wanted to do cartoons. I've always wanted to make animation. As a kid, you don't have money. You know, I grew up in the Midwest. My, my dad is an electrician, an electrical contractor. My mother was a teacher. They didn't have money. We did very well. You know, we lived a, a good life. We had a good middle class life. But for animation and for things like that, we didn't have school, you know, and especially as a kid, I couldn't just go to my and in the Midwest, I, I like it was a perfect, you know, perfect storm of, of garbage that could have happened. And I could have easily gone a separate route and said, you know what, I'm not going to make it an animation. Let me see if I can do farming or something like that. I didn't want to do that. So what do you do? You, you know, and it's that bit of a kid inside you that as you get older, you just keep getting it beat out of you every single year. You know, whether it's rent or car payment or phone payment or taxes or any, you know, it just keeps grinding on that child in you and that imagination and that creativity and that hope and optimism and naivete gets beaten out of you through life. But the ones who are able to hold on to that naivete and that creativity and that optimism, it doesn't matter if they have one dollar or a million dollars, they're going to find a way to get it done. So when I was a kid, I just grabbed my camera, I just grabbed my friends or my family, and I said, listen, here's what we're going to do. My very first movie that I ever made was a Super Mario Brothers fan movie where I cast my brother as Mario and I was Luigi. I cast my uncle as Bowser, my aunt as Princess Peach, and my Wait sister- Wait a minute, do you have footage of this? Digitized. <laughs> it's on VHS. I am still looking for it. I I am I'm looking oh. all over for it. It was 
Super Mario Brothers, The Legend of the That'd Star. That'd be so Rocket. great to cut in right here. <laughs> That'd be amazing. Yeah, and my <laughs> sister was double billed as Little Toady and Yoshi. And yeah. we just put on the costumes. I wrote the script out. My cousin Tony was the camera guy. We went to my Uncle Mike's house and we filmed it. And we just did it. It was fun. We did it because we loved Mario. We knew who Mario was. The script was, you know, for a 14-year-old, perfect, you know, and that's what we did. And I, I took what I loved about Mario, what I knew about Mario, and I just wrote a story and I made it happen. I just did it. You just do it because you want to make it happen. You want to see it happen. So, yeah. and then as you get better and better and better, and, and people to this day, like all my family, like, oh, you remember that Mario movie we did? Where is it? I can't find it. It's on VHS. If I do find it, it's going on YouTube. I will say that. And I will have a whole YouTube premiere, the whole nine yards, you know. That but was that was fun. my first experience making a movie. And I still have that movie camera that I made that movie on because that's mm -hmm. how important it is to me. When I got older and I got into high school, I just recruited my friends and I went to my theater buddies and I said, hey, I want to do this. Let's make this happen. And nine times out of 10, it didn't work out because schedules or people lost interest over time. You know, that's but then that's your job to get them riled up and get them excited and keep them going. You got to have that childlike mentality inside you that says, don't give up. Look at what we can do. Look at what we've done before. Now we can rise to the challenge. Yeah. But where I'm coming from mm -hmm. is we have, each of us has a property in development, and right. we each have a team right. for that property. Right. Uh, those people are volunteering time. Mm -hmm. They are all in financial crunches, right? Right. Uh, so I've, I have been racking my brain trying to figure out how to, how to come up with funding how, so that there's something and uh you know because what you're saying is you just you just do it and you, you do you make do with what you got and that type of thing which makes sense and I get that but when you're when your team is starting to whisper and you know their their cries of financial desperation are suddenly bubbling up mm -hmm. uh you know you, you, at some point, you have to say, okay, we. This is something we've got to fix. This. So my question is, how? Well, and are there are there funds out there for grants, like animation uh, shorts for grants? There, there's are film there... festivals. I mean, I, that's the process that we're doing right now. Is we're looking into grants. We're looking into things like that. Um, what I typically would do. Um, is I, you know, for a property like ours, which is geared really mainly towards kids, you know, I would offer the cartoons freely to bowling alleys, to roller rinks, to arcades, to places where they can show the cartoons and have DVDs, you know, and say, listen, if you want, you know, if you, if you like what you see on the monitor, come to the, uh, uh, come to the concession stand and we can sell you a DVD of three or four Chucky e. Chicken cartoons, you know? Um, yeah, but that's post-production, right? Right. That doesn't help the artists during the production. And I'm really focused on this for this year because I've got I've got very lofty uh, creative goals mm -hmm. for 2021. As do we. Out of spite for 2020. <laughs> and 
they will only happen if I can somehow crack the code to get some sort of production budget together. And I think at that point it's um that's a toughie because it is a toughie it, and but it it happens all the time. My LinkedIn account is full of people that just found private investors for their idea that they didn't even have a proof of concept for. Did you ask them how And they I'm did asking, it? yeah, and they they're mum on it. They're like, "Well, you know, it's you, you just got to know the right people and uh, people are yeah, very, no. very, very conservative about how they got the money because they feel yeah. dirty that they got the money. Let's be real. Like if somebody yeah. came to me out of the blue and said, listen, I love Chucky e. Chicken. I want to give you two million dollars. It's like, I don't deserve this. Why are you giving it to me? It's like, well, I, you know, I think that you can do it. I believe in you, by the way, sign this and keep your trap shut. You know, because yeah. if this thing fails, I don't want to be the one that go. You know, that got the blame. Yeah, and you know what? You're you're mentioning that as a what if, but I know of stories like that that yeah. actually happen. I've right. I've been hired to work on properties that were funded through stories just like that. A, a car, a, a car sale, like somebody owns a car dealership has a bunch of money sitting sitting aside, mm -hmm. sunk it into a property. Um, no proof of concept, just an idea. And, they probably and a, a, a check was years. written for X amount, right? Yeah. Um, and, and that is, it's probably, it's not what you know, it's who you know. You know, that car yeah, dealership probably yeah. knew the person for 15 years and saw their evolution of their craft and said, wow, you're really onto something. Here, let me throw yeah. you a couple foul your way, and I believe in you because you're going to do it. If I went back to Oswego today, I'm sure there would be people who I've known, uh, you know, around my neck of the woods, who have seen what I'm doing and say, you know what, I like you. I like your drive. I like your 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 commitment. I love your uh, creativity. What do you need? How can I help you? You know, um, yeah. and sometimes it's not even financial. It's influential, and it's like personnel who come onto the team. Uh, Tom Ruger is a great example of that. You know, he took a chance with me and he's like, you know, I, he asked me about Chucky and I told him what I wanted to do and he really mm -hmm. dug it. And he's like, okay, well, what do you need from me? How can I help? And just that alone gave everybody on the team a boost to say, oh my God, this is really going somewhere. <laughs> you yeah. know? So it's not even financial, it's influential. And I think in some cases... <laughs> You know, yeah, it, 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 there's a point. It's like, you know, one day it's Tom Ruger. Next day it's Michael Eisner. The next day, you know, it's, you know, whomever is involved with the project next. Like the, the ghost of Chuck Jones is inhabiting somebody and now he's animating on your project and you have, you know, Chuck Jones animating this cartoon for you. I mean, yeah. but, you know, so... Just, well, it, I've I've got some ideas uh, that I want to talk to you about off uh, camera. Okay. Um, but uh, some things that sort of fell into my my brain last night. Mm -hmm. um, so I will uh, talk to you about those off camera, and it's nothing I've talked to you about yet. So. And yeah. if you want to hear more about this idea, you can go to our Patreon page, and. <laughs> You can uh, get more information. Okay, wait a minute. 
which one of us is going to set up the Patreon page? Because I got to tell you, I hate doing it. We got a Valley I've done we'll a do few Patreons so far, and they're, I mean, to do it well, mm-hmm. it, it requires a lot of work. It does. We I got two of them. I got one for Chuck E. Chicken, and I got one for uh, for Valley Studios. And oops, yeah. silence that part. Well, maybe, maybe we put this under the Valley Studios one. I'm down with that. I, I, I don't know. I mean, I've well, I've already the, the Valley Studios one is making a dollar a month, and the Chuck E. Chicken one is making fourteen dollars a month. Take your pick. <laughs> you know, <that's> all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we'll we'll have to we'll have to discuss that because. Yeah. Uh, but again, that's all off camera. So if you want to see yeah. that, go to our Patreon links and all that in the description down below. Or up above, yeah. wherever the Well, hell they listen, go. you're saying that, but that means we've got to have that up and running in two weeks because that's when this episode goes live. We have, we'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. We will make okay. it Okay. I trust you, man. Okay. I'll put I, like I said before, my wagon's hooked up to your trailer. So, well, thank you. I it's all good. That. So, anyway, it's all good. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, um, anyways, I, I want to, uh, briefly talk about, uh, the process of giving feedback and what what goes through the artist's head as you're because last night I was giving you a hard time on what? feedback of an image you were doing and about seventy percent of it was just to razz you. Um, <laughs> but at the same time, I was getting uh, I call it minutia feedback where it's like. Uh, <sighs> It, uh, so much of it is just not necessary, right? Um, yeah, but but a client was, you know, nitpicking on stuff, which is fine. They chose the right stage during the rough uh, design process, so right. nitpick away. But you did. I noticed. I was done with that. <laughs> <laughs> you picked the wrong stage, buddy. <laughs> Yeah, but I, I I was trying to see how how far until you snapped, and it it took far. all the way it took all the way to lasers. So yeah, um, um, yes. But but it made me think uh, as as it was going, I recognized my own irritation in the moment um, as I was getting my feedback from the client, and it it just got me thinking about. Um, the, the process of evolving as an artist and sort of fighting with your ego, right? Because I've talked to a lot of uh, great animation greats on the other podcast, and I they all seem to be super chill and have no ego. And I, I realized last night my ego is thriving. I am still as sensitive as I used to be when I was a, a – super greenhorn um in you know just starting out in my first studio job but i i have a new skill now to say whoa whoa you're being too sensitive um i didn't have that back then but these these people are just they're they're like oh no it's it's all good so relaxed and i really want to figure out how they Zend their way to that mindset because I need that. Well, I'm, I'm going to hit you with some truths here. Here, that's why yeah. they're the big names, and we're not because our egos are huge, 
and there you yeah, go. Yeah, maybe. Non-existent, maybe. You know? Yeah. As a artist critiquing another artist, especially when it's a project that you're overseeing, obviously yeah. you have a vision. It's twofold. One fold is you want that vision to come to life. And then the second fold is you want the artist to level up with you and to get it to that point and then higher. So when you are dealing with an artist who is either A, almost there, B, not quite there, but you can, you can, you can kind of steer them in the right direction or C, they're just way off the beaten path. You got to herd them back on. You got to take it a different direction, <laughs> you know? And then a lot of times, as bad as it is to say, it is the person, it is the artist. You have to be considered about the artist and considered about who they are and check their ego, you know, and yeah. check their personality. If I got somebody who's chill and if, if they're off the bath, I can be like, this sucks. Go back and do it again. Oh, shit. What's wrong with it? This, 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 and this. Oh, dude, thanks for telling me. I'll go fix it. No problem, man. Go do your thing, you know? Yeah. But if I did that to somebody who had an ego, how dare you? This is what, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, I've been working in this business for, like, slow your roll. Let me explain what's wrong. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. You gotta, you yeah. know, you, it's it's kind of like being tactical. You gotta be a politician in that way. You gotta be tactical with your words. You yeah. know, and you gotta you gotta be like, well, listen, here's the, you, you you gotta you gotta stroke an ego every once in a while. And it's like, okay, yeah. Listen. Well, I I think it's about delivery, mm -hmm. right? Absolutely. Delivery of your notes right. is gonna make all the difference. Like, right. Like I just said, I mean, I've talked to all these people who worked on all the big Disney movies and stuff. People I look up to, mm -hmm. they're my goats, you know, I, I look up to them. Oh, yeah. And I think a lot of it, like they came up during the time of like when the animators weren't treated very well at Disney. Oh, and no, yeah. so I think they were just forged into this hardened creative powerhouse mm -hmm. through all the hellfire they went through well and i was watching the documentary Wake, waking sleeping beauty on disney plus a phenomenal yeah. documentary by don Hahn. um yeah. and that by whole, the way he said he'd do my podcast this year did he really yes he did i'm oh, so excited you need to have me on when you when you're there please <laughs> please have me on the show with you please i beg of you um so I love. I actually have spoken with Don a couple of times. Very, very sweet guy. Very yeah. one of my goats, and he's a friend of mine on Facebook. Um, that whole era, those, all those animators that came out of the Renaissance, you know, they came from. They were beaten up the hardest because they had a mission to prove. Because Disney had something to prove. You got to mm -hmm. remember. Before that whole era began, Disney was in a period of stagnation. From 1966, when Walt Disney passed away, to 1983, they were going under the adage, what would Walt do? And their whole mindset was, well, Walt would continue to do the same thing for 20 years, but that was not what Walt Disney would do. They lost the mindset. It took Saul yeah. Steinberg, a potential corporate takeover, Roy E. Disney leaving the company, them ousting Cald Walker, um, you know, Ron Miller, and everyone else who was in upper management and putting in 
Michael Eisner, Jeffrey Katzenberg, and Frank Wells to come in and shake things up. Those animators had gotten complacent. It was so bad that Don Bluth left Disney in 1979. That's how bad it was, and he became their number one rival uh, during the mid, the early to mid-80s. And then it wasn't yeah. until Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast that finally Disney was starting to come back. But it yeah. took them basically getting kicked in the pants because they deserved it. Because they were, <laughs> the, the animators, the animators didn't deserve it. Let me let me rephrase that. The company deserved it because right. they weren't doing what their founder had basically laid out to do. And it took yeah. an injection from modern day Hollywood at that time to bring them from you know the cardigan wearing sweater, you know animators, the nine old men, you know that were working in the '60s and the '70s with Walt, you know the '50s and '60s with Walt losing Walt and then having to do that by themselves and become animators, you know, better animators on their own without that guiding light. Then the yeah. new light came in. It was like, Walt Disney's dead. We need to continue his legacy. We're going to take what he, we're going to take his inspiration and we're going to blaze on. You're either with us or you're not. So you know, I had, I had John Pomeroy on Drawn to It podcast, and he was talking about those years when they were, they'd work all day at Disney and then they'd go to Don Bluth's and they'd work in the garage. Yeah. Um, and the whole idea was how can they learn faster? And I was so surprised to hear that almost all of the animators, because Glenn Keane was part of that group. Uh, when I say that group, I mean that that class of animator at Disney, right? But I was so surprised to hear that Glenn Keane would go to Don Bluth's and work away in the garage, too, on uh, different things. And I was like, what? Like, nobody I, – I had never heard those stories before. And I, I really kind of prided myself on, um, you know, looking for all those animation stories of, you oh, know, yeah. the – and uh, I'm like, really, Glenn Keane? Because that was sort of like a taboo thing back These then. The it was almost like, uh, <laughs> like treason, right? Yeah. And uh, so I, I found that very interesting. But they all recognized in the moment what we're doing isn't enough. We need to get better. And that goes Man. back to Walt himself. I mean, even in Kansas City, and even in the early days of animation. He wasn't happy with cutouts. He wasn't happy yeah. with what they were doing in New York. He wanted to, you know, he wasn't happy with the the production line quality of the cartoons. Getting them out quickly, you know, he was like, no, we can do better. So he and now, how I works. So, yeah. okay, Walt Disney is known for not liking the Xerox uh, line on cells. But if you talk to most animators, they love it. They well, love seeing the, the, the rough, loose lines. You know? Yeah. He, but he, he, wasn't, uh, he wasn't a big fan of all the rough lines that would show through. No. and But I, I love that stuff. You know? Know, I, like, as I get older, I do too, because you get to see... Like if for for us as animators, it's like oh my god, it's watching Milt Call's drawings or Mar Mark Davis, like his artwork is literally coming to life and it's painted. Yeah. You know that's why I love um oh my god, what's his name? Uh, he's a friend of yours. He's he does um, Hullabaloo, I think it is. 
that one. Oh yeah, yeah, uh, Lopez, James Lo- Lopez. Yes, and he he yeah. did America Sings animated, and he did mm. it in the Mark Davis style, and yeah. he kept the scratchy lines uh, from that's the sixties so cool. and seventies. And I'm like, oh my gosh, that's like classic Disney right there. I mean, like, yeah. or not even classic Disney. I mean, there's like vintage Disney. There's classic Disney, contemporary Disney, future. I mean, there's all sorts of, you know, eras now, you know. So this would be like Silver Age Disney. And he was able to replicate it perfectly. I'm like, oh, my God, that's perfect. Like, teach me. I want to do that. Teach me how to do it. Um, And it was like watching something from the 70s made in the early 2000s. It's beautiful. I hope he's still working on it. I, I, I would love to talk with them and kind of and learn how to draw those characters like him. well the modern version of that if you watch uh aaron blaze his yes. youtube channel he's working on a short about a polar bear yeah and um he's using tv paint which is a raster based program not vector like tomb boom has a very pencil-esque kind of line quality to it beautiful to animate and i love using it um but he's using like uh, he's using it for ink and paint, but he's not doing ink like doing a, a final cleanup line like what is in Chucky Chicken. He's just doing tight roughs, and then he's painting under them. Mm-hmm. So you're seeing all those beautiful rough animation lines in there, uh, the gesture of the pose, uh, yeah. the life of the drawing. Right. Um, but he's still doing shadows. He's still doing highlights and the base colors. And it, it just, it looks so good. You know what uh, the bad part about that is, though? We geek what? out about this. But yeah. the general audience, they're going to look at it and say, why does it look so messy? Why didn't they clean up? Like why? Maybe, they- maybe they yeah. they will, especially when, when you have a show like, uh, well, like Klaus, right? It, it was so refined that... Some scenes you're like, are those characters 3D in that one? Or are they yeah. 2D still? Like you, yeah. you almost can't tell, right? And, and then you I, watch the behind I, the scenes and you go, oh, they drew that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so, yeah, you might be right because uh, you have to remember, here's the problem. And I talked with, uh, well, Tom Ruger and I, when we did our episode of Drawn to It, we were talking about this, how we tend to, you age into what your likes are, right? Yeah. So uh, so you and I have a certain aesthetic preference when it comes to animation and style and that type of thing because of when we grew up. Right. It's influenced by, by what inspired us as kids. Right. Um, and now we're older and we want to create ideas and put it out there, but we're doing it, I I believe, we're doing it from a place of what we like, right? right. And 100%. it's out of sync with what the audience wants 100%. a lot of times. Yeah. You know, I, I'm a product of that. I grew up in the 90s. You know, I grew up when animation was spectacular. You know, but yeah. I, I think every kid says that. It's like, oh, Speed Racer was the best cartoon on television. Tom and Jerry yeah. was fantastic. You know, Yogi Bear, I loved Yogi Bear. Or, oh, I, the Flintstones was perfect. Top Cat was, you know. And I look back, I go, that was perfect? <laughs> you know, you were really easily entertained. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but so, then, yeah. So we're trying to create 
things to properties that will have their own lifespan and get out there for the audience. But I I feel like we're creating something for an audience that isn't there a lot of times. Uh, like the audience is into that. That's why all the shows now look like this weird, like Thundercats roar kind of style or, or the new She-Ra or this weird bub bubbly anime kind of heavy I mean, graphic that's, approach. That's a prod. I mean, here's the deal. Like our generation, we also were the anime generation. We were the first real cult kids uh, where the culture clashed. We grew up with Dragon Ball Z and Yu Yu Hakusho and Roroni Kenshin, Pokemon, and that whole new influence from the East came in and married the West. I mean, even uh, cartoons like Dexter's Laboratory and the Powerpuff Girls, they had those anime yeah. influences in, in there as well. I mean, um, and even... Well, with I think it all started with Johnny Bravo, to be <laughs> honest. Uh, Johnny Bravo took the Hanna-Barbera approach mm -hmm. and just injected steroids into it. Yep cut more corners yep. than ever before, but yep. in a way that was visually different enough that at the time we were like, whoa. Right. You know, it, it's like, it's so limited that we're like, whoa. Yeah. The, the wipes and, you know, the heavy, thick, thick and thin lines. And, you, you know, and then from there you see Dexter and Powerpuff and then the, it got more and more graphic approach. Cow and uh, from there was very, very graphic and very, very um, style. Ren and Stimpy, you know, yeah. before that, yeah. uh, Rugrats, uh, you know, that whole era, you know, was like, listen, yeah. we just came out of the 70s and 80s where we were limited and we, you know, we could only animate from here up, you know, <laughs> like, and we were on twos and we had to do this whenever anybody talked, you know. Yeah. But if you look back at those cartoons from that era, the writing was phenomenal. The story, the gags were very, I mean, I love listening to shows like the Flintstones or Top Cat or, um, you know, the Jetsons, because for me, it's like listening to old timey radio. And I yeah. get it. I, I love listening to, you know, Arnold Stang. Um, you know, Marvin Kaplan, you know, yeah, TC, you know, what we got to do tonight, TC, you know. Yeah. Um, and I, I love that. And when they translated it, you know, later into the 80s and added more frames of animation and brighter colors and, you know, more fluid uh, motion. Uh, but the actors got older. <laughs> you could hear it in their voice. It's like it's the same top cat. It's still Arnold staying, but he looks and sounds different, but it's still... It's still yeah. him, and that to me was a very weird, bizarre. I love that because it's like they still honored the the character by having his voice still there. They kept his design the same. They just evolved it to the next level. So they were dealing with that, but then getting in the '90s, it's like just blow the lid off of everything. Like Nickelodeon was like, oh my god. We can make a show about babies. We can take a kid and like tell his life, this cat and this dog thing, and just let them blow up and like, you know, do whatever we can. And then that just speared off into its whole new thing that even Disney, you know, was like, okay, we got to level up with them. So they brought up gummy bears and ducktails. Like they were, I think, and a lot of people forget this, they were the first to do it in the 80s. Like, 87, 80, you know, yeah. 86 with gummy bears and ducktails. They were the first to be like, listen, 
And that was, a, I, I'm, I'm guessing that was an Eisner decision where it's like, we're Disney. We need to invest more in animation and we need to put more money into it. Um, if people go back uh, on Drawn to It podcast and look for the episode I did with Tad Stones, he talks a lot about those shows and why they were done the way they were done and what the um, higher up thinking was corporate wise. Mm -hmm. uh, so there's a lot of really good information there. Did he did he tell the Mickey and the Pirate story? I can't remember. Oh. Go ahead and tell it though. Well, I mean, one of the one of the ideas was they had a show called Mickey and the Pirates, where it was going to be Mickey Mouse in space, and they decided not to because they wanted to focus on the secondary characters, not the main Fab Five. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. So instead, they did Gummy Bears and Ducktales, and mm -hmm. that's ironic because the first scene in Ducktales uh, was Donald Duck going on the boat. <laughs> on the Navy boat and leaving Huey and Dewey, Huey, Dewey, and Louie with Uncle Scrooge. So in yeah. a way, it's very like it's kind of bittersweet because it's like you still see the character. And even then, at that point, not to sidetrack anything, but that was, I think that was very interesting because Clarence Nash had just passed away in 1985, who was Donald Duck for the first 50 years of the character's existence, the only guy who did it. With the exception mm. being um, Jack Wagner um, and Sam uh, Sam uh, Squasani or something like that, who did Donald, and he also did Yaki Doodle and Jimmy. Well, oh, I have a funny uh, Donald Duck story. Yeah, Donald Duck helped me choose my wife. <laughs> so there's a Donald Duck short uh, with uh, Chippendale. Yeah. Um, where there's a, he owns an apple orchard or something like that. And uh, one, one of the bits in it is a game called Apple Core. And uh, basically, Donald, uh, Chip, Chip or Dale, I forget which one, eats an apple, probably Dale, because he's more gag-oriented, mm -hmm. and presents the core and goes, Apple Core, and Donald Duck goes, who's some more? And then Dale's like, who's your friend? And then uh, Donald Duck goes, me, and then splat in the face. Well, I don't know why, but ever since I was a little kid, I'm talking real little, and I saw that short, that, I don't know if you call it a bit or what, but that stuck in my head, right? Oh, yeah. And I, I would toss it out. I'd Just randomly, I'd be like, Apple Core, and nobody would ever get it. Nobody <laughs> would ever get it, right? They're like, what? I'm like, Apple Core. Like uh, pear, I I don't know, <laughs> right? My wife got it. I remember I just randomly one day I'm like apple core, and she who's some more? <laughs> and I'm like, oh my god! <laughs> I'm like you're the one. <laughs> I've had those moments with people too, and yeah, uh, you know I love those. That's a that's a great story. I love that. Yeah, I yeah. It was a, that. so <laughs> Donald Duck helped me choose my wife. <laughs> that's great yeah. um but um but yeah so that whole era was so unique because they were in their own transition um even with the voices i mean yeah. character voicing uh with um les perkins was established during that time i mean that whole era was just you know mel blank passed away in 1989 so the voice of the looney tunes was gone. It was just this weird transition. And by the way, it never came back. Nope. 
There has not been one successful, maybe with the exception of Yosemite Sam, uh, a, a close enough match for any of the characters. I will. I will say uh, maybe Tweety Bird. Maybe Tweety Bird. Definitely um, not Bugs Bunny. They no. haven't gotten that right, um, and it's hard. It's it's not from lack of talent. The people who have tried are super talented. I will there, say, but there's there's a cadence that there is. isn't there. The the closest that I think to Bugs Bunny that they've gotten was there were three: uh, Jeff Bergman, who was the first successor, um, Greg Burson. And Joe Alasky. And uh, Greg Burson, he also did Foghorn Leghorn. He did Pepe Le Pew. Uh, he did Elmer Fudd for a little. He passed away in 2000. Those ones were done very well. But yes. but there's a cadence that Mel Blanc had uh, that he put into all of the characters. Yep. That, And I think even those voiceover artists, like it, I'm not bashing them. I'm just saying... When when you have somebody as super talented as Mel Blanc, it you cannot oh it's impossible duplicate it. It's lightning in a bottle, right? You know, Bob Bergen and, said it perfectly. He created them. He yeah. created these actors that now we forever are going to have to, you know, impersonate. And it's yeah. uh, you know, I think the one person who could have done it was Noel Blank, but Warner Brothers didn't give him a chance. You know, mm. I, I mean, the, the flesh and blood of the guy who did it, they didn't even yeah. get the shot, which I yeah. think is so sad. Well, hey, that from what I'm uh, seeing, that is like a history long trope of Warner Brothers of ignoring the past success. And when when they reboot something or move on to a similar project, they forget about who helped achieve that original yeah. success. <laughs> And they just bring in all new people that don't know what they're doing. You know? Shots fired! <laughs> hey, shots fired, but it's bloody true. And they keep doing it uh, with the DC uh, Universe movies, yeah. uh, their animated properties. Uh, Tiny Toons. Uh, <laughs> just, just putting that out there. The Lo- yeah. Looney Tunes shorts. There, I mean, there's those... no shortage of properties where they just have their... I, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. But when you don't tap the talent pool that helped make it a thing, mm-hmm. and it, it just baffles me. It baffles me. It baffles me. me, too. But yeah. their loss, as far as yeah. I'm concerned. Because if they I mean, it doesn't mean you need that talent pool to make it, but right. at least bring them on as consultants so that you're getting some of that original soul, right? that heart. Yeah. Of of what made it great. And in a way it keeps it grounded because it's like, you know, you they inject some stuff, but then they can filter out stuff that doesn't work. Yeah. You know, it's like Well, you know, it's a real thing in these uh big corporations uh where you have a lot of people with no creative talent in charge of all the creative people. I know this personally from my time at Disney Interactive. It was, I I was the target of executive feedback. And I got to tell you, maybe 25% of the feedback I got was helpful. Mm-hmm. The rest of it just sounded like people trying to earn their paycheck for the week, right? 
Right. And by that, I mean, well, I have to give, I have to criticize something because I'm part of the meeting. Right. Well, no, there's value to you keeping your mouth shut and letting the cream rise <laughs> yeah. to the top. Like, you know, cut that fish out, you know, that's a, that's an expensive fish. Oh, you wouldn't believe it, man. You just would not believe the notes. Um, and, uh, you know, I talked, I, I mentioned that to Tom during our interview and he was like, yeah, it's, it just, there are people that just need to earn their paycheck and that ends up frigging up the entire production, you know? And at that point it's like, I, I mean, that's why I love being in charge of Valley Studios, you know, the animation department, because I can prevent that. You know, yeah. I can say to somebody, you know, well, uh, it's too expensive. Get out of the room. <laughs> Are you creative? Get out of the room. You don't yeah. need to be here. Uh, you know, uh, you know, you're here for your paycheck. You're here to make sure that we have the money. If we don't have the money, go get us the money to make this happen. If you're so worried about it, pound the pavement. Figure yeah. out how to make this happen. That's your job. You're not here to criticize my artists. My artists are doing what they're supposed to be doing. They're the heart and soul of this operation. You're just the the uh, the the ankle. You're just the little pinky toe. So go <laughs> figure out how to make it happen, or keep your trap shut. I don't need you coming in here with your mucky muck corporate bullshit. Sorry, I don't. Sorry, mom. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> uh, if I happen to find this spot when I'm editing this, I'll try to edit that swear word out for your mother. One, uh, one hour and three minutes is around that area. So. Yeah, but the time code ends up not meaning anything once oh, I no. cut out sections, right? So um, the uh, did you catch the last episode, how I edited it? I put this funny sheep ba sound over really? every time yeah, you I swore yeah every time you swore you go like, <laughs> it's become my go-to i used it in a episode of drawn to a podcast with uh kirsten shiel uh she's a brown bag studios um creative director and uh she was telling a story and she didn't want the uh, certain detail uh, of who she was talking about. So I, right. I didn't want to put a beep. I'm like, no, oh, that's not funny. So I found this great sheep sound and I'm like, <laughs> oh, that's funny. I like that. Yeah. So we had a, we had a professor uh, at, uh, at our school that had like this very specific way of saying, whoa, now. So whenever we did like stuff, and we, <laughs> like we had, we did a, a, a video one time and we had somebody swear just for him, just for us to put the whoa now right there. Yeah. Whoa now. <laughs> whoa now. So. so. All um, right. Let's move on to the next thing. Uh, any. So done with the trying to get the money bit? Well, I, I mean, we're going to have a, a different conversation. We'll record and we'll put on the, the Patreon. And it won't be an answer to that question. It will be a brainstorming session. Okay. Of. Uh, you know, potential ways to go about it. Links in um, the down. Yeah. Or the so, <laughs> they keep changing. <laughs> um, but we uh, laugh. <laughs> oh, anyway, I, need, I, I just topic, need I, I need a full night movie. of laughs. Um, updates. No. Yeah, <laughs> me either. Me either. Too soon. Yeah. Uh, my to be honest, and uh, being like as Burt Kreischer would say, shout out Burt Kreischer uh, again, stand up comic. 
as he would say, uh, secret time. Uh, my team is not in a position to work on things right now uh, mentally. The motivation is at zero. Uh, there have been deaths in the family. There has been uh, the 2020 turmoil. There are financial situations going on that are uh, redirect people's energies, uh, prioritize, right? You have to deal with uh, the, the most important fire first. And, um, you know, uh, working on a cartoon is, is not necessarily at the top of that list. Uh, right. So my team right now is hurting um, with mental health and motivation. Um, so, yeah, as I mentioned in the last episode, it's going to be a few weeks. And sometimes you just got a break. You know, we yeah. we recently got off of our holiday break. Um, I knew that a lot of the artists weren't going to be available. And I knew this year in particular, I wanted to be with family. I didn't want to have yeah. to work about, I did not want to have to worry about uh, deadlines or anything like that. I really, I just, because I did that the year before, you know, yeah. ranking out. Graham Grinning giblets, you know, that was a hellish Christmas time. And this year I was like, I don't want to do that. I just want to plop on my yeah. ass and just relax, you know, put a little bleeps on, whatever you want there. But, um, I yeah, might just some... swap it out for a more harsh swear word. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to make your mother lose her mind. Be like, I did please, not raise that young man to that. talk like that. We love, my mother has cancer. Please don't do that to her. Oh, I love you, mom. Okay. Don't do All right. That. Back to the sheep bar thing then. Thank you. Yes. Um, but, um, but yeah, sometimes you, in, you, even with our team, like recently, uh, just Monday, I went ahead and I told everybody, hey, we're back at it. And I lost an artist just because they were, you know, they said, hey, man, I can't do it. I'm trying to yeah. get a job, and this just isn't a priority. Not the yeah. first time that this individual has said that. I mean, and probably won't be the last, but. Um, well, I mean, it, it's not out of their hatred towards you no. or the or the project. They right. just, they have a need. They need to and meet it, it, uh, it, financially, right? It breaks my heart. Yeah, honestly, because it's like, I wish I could fulfill that need for you. So you don't have to go to somebody else because yeah. I can see that you do love this project and you do want to be a part of it. Now, as, as much as it hurts you to say, I'm sorry, I have to walk away. It hurts me more that you have to say that that's, yeah. you know, that's, that's the, the, you know, it's, that's where my ego just goes away because it's like, I'm not this person. Like, fine, go away. We don't need you. Anyway. Like, no, Oh no, no. No. Like I'm like, gosh, I'm I'm sorry. I understand, yeah. but I pr it makes you work harder to yeah. try and find the way to make to keep these guys on board. I think I never mind. I'll save that for the for the Patreon talk. But really, 2021 has to be about how do we go about making these shows uh, on your property, my property, everything in a sustainable way mm -hmm. and uh yeah so we we got to crack that code buddy we will we, we, we got to come crack. through uh for our teams and for the success of the the next episode of whatever project right, right. so we'll yeah. get there we'll we get will there. it's going to take a little bit of time it's going to take yeah. i mean but that's that's the thing you know um 
Time is something I've never given myself. I've always been got to get it done now, got to catch up, got to do this, got to do that, got to go fast. I'm like Sonic the Hedgehog, who is my favorite, by the way, turns 30 this year. We'll talk about that in June. Um, But um, I just, I've never given myself the forgiveness to be like, listen, it's okay. You, You didn't make the best cartoons. You didn't use your time wisely. It's okay. You're still here. You yeah. can try again. You can, you can, you got two things. You can either be in that corner in the fetal position, crying and not doing anything and making everything worse and give up, just fall down and die, which I've done. Or you can get up, brush yourself off and say, okay, my bad. Yeah. How can we fix it? What are the what are the things that we did wrong before that we're not going to do this time? And even with these past production meetings that we've had as in as, as a, an executive group, you know, mm-hmm. I said, you know, here's what we're going to do. We need to get more artists. And I did that piece. And you said, don't put that out because we can't pay artists. And that looks like you're going to yeah. you're going to be paying people. Yeah. That hurt me because I'm like I spent like an hour on this and now I can't. Yeah, even do well, right now, just right now. That's the thing, right yeah. now. Because then it's like the 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 thing is now it's no longer me just making a poster and throwing it out. It's now me presenting it to the group and saying, okay, here's the artwork. What's the literature that we have to put on this advertisement to let mm-hmm. people know? We're looking for people, but it's in an educational sort of experimental environment working towards a bigger goal where the end project is potential, you know, financial yeah. uh, benefits. But you yeah. still get the benefits of working with people in the industry. You're getting the practical experience. You know, yeah. well, the artwork all- looked great. It wasn't a criticism on the artwork at all. (laughs) It was what was on the artwork. Well, it it was just an issue of message and timing, right? And that's something that I I fail at. I fail at messaging. You know, I I suck at the the literature of the advertising, which is why we have Aaron, our marketer. If I need my artwork cleaned up a little bit better, I got Rebecca, who knows how to draw Chucky and draw the characters well. And then for that actual, you know, animation professional, like what's expected in an ad, like the ad copy, I have you, you know, that's why I have my little team. So it's not me going saying, here we go, I'm going to put this out Oop, too late, you know? Right, right. So that's where I've been able to like, and, I, and at first I get frustrated, I go, oh my God, I did it again. It's okay. I caught it before we made the mistake of, you know, doing this all over again. And beating yeah. ourselves around the bush, and then you gave me the the you know the brilliant uh, uh, wisdom. Talk to artists one on one. Don't worry about putting out mass you know um, advertisements. Just one on one people. And at first, I'm thinking, oh my god, I've done this already. And, you know, like, well, maybe I haven't done it the right way. And right. now we have a selling point. You know, where we it's not just us, but we have Mr. Ruger, we have Mr. Finley, we have Mr. Proixma, we have all these wonderful people who are helping with the project and yeah. lending their creative uh, abilities and their guidance and their um, their experience. And it's a huge draw for people. I'm hoping 
you know, it's kept a lot of people on board. I think it'll be an overtime thing as as the as Valley Studios starts to get its credibility legs under it. Mm-hmm. The, it's like if you build it, they will come. Right. But it's got to be built well. That's right? that's the, the you yeah. you you hit it right on the head with the last word there. Built it well. And yeah. that's been my frustration. And I, I feel comfortable saying it here on the podcast. I have been in the YouTube animation game now. How old am I? 32, going to be 33 this year for 15 years. Ever since I was 18 years old, I started doing animation and film for YouTube directly. You know, during that time, I you know, as everybody, you know, I've done a lot. I've done Hodgepodge tonight. I've done the Chucky Chicken Shorts. I've done the Ram TV. I've done uh, different podcasts. I've done animation for different people. I've done voice acting. I've done, you know, uh, gaming stuff. I've done, I've been on multiple different platforms. I've done multiple things. I've done theater. I've done, uh, you know, all sorts of, I've done comic book work. I've been busy in the industry. Have I made a million dollars? Absolutely not. Have I made a penny for a lot of the stuff? No. Do I do it because it, it helps me level up? Yes. You know, hodgepodge tonight, we sank 10 years into trying to get, or five years into trying to get that show going. And we had incremental built and growth and it was getting better until finally I just put a kibosh on it because we just couldn't do it anymore. So yeah. as time goes on, you know, but you still keep those skills and you level up. And, but we weren't doing it the right way. We weren't taking the time. We weren't putting in the financial resources that were needed to make it happen. But we were substituting the financial with our creativity. We were put yeah. in a box, but we were still given like different blocks or Legos or paints and things and saying, okay, here's what you have. Go make something with it. And you look at a broken crayon and say, oh, my God, what am I going to do with this? Oh wait a minute! Let me take off the wrapper and let's let's draw. Let's just keep going. Yeah, and that's uh, the thinking that we have to do as producers and creators in the independent bootstrap world of of creating animation and film and shows and that type of thing. Right. You got to work with what you got. However, there there is that time when you need to be like, okay, I need to get here. Right. But with what I got is only getting me here. How do I bridge that gap? And I, I feel like that that's where we're at right now, not just for our benefit, but our, the people who are trusting us mm-hmm. and volunteering well, time. Uh, we're doing it for them uh, as well, and hopefully sooner rather than later. But again, how do you do it? And the, this I, is us as producers without a clue. We're figuring it out the hard way i think uh, here's here's an idea um and we can do it on this podcast if you want or we could do it on the next one let's take a look at the resources that we have right now uh whether it be background designs whether it be um character model sheets whether it be cast list or scripts or animatics, or rough animation, or color charts, uh, or ideas, you know, different synopses, you know, what have you. Take a look at what we have, pick and choose the best one. I mean, that's where the concept packet that we that I did comes in. You yeah. know, I had to sit down and I had to have that hard conversation. I mean, one of the main reasons why we got Tom Ruger involved 
was because I had that concept packet and I presented it to him and I said, here's our show. Here's what we're working on. And he was able to look at it and, and give me an honest critique and say, you know, the story that you told me I was into, but the story mm -hmm. that I'm reading in this packet, I hate. Why is that? And so yeah. then for me, it was like, oh, my gosh, what do I do? So he said, take a month, fix it. So then I went back and I fixed it and I presented it to him. And he said, there you go. That's the way to do it. There you have a show. So what do you do at that point? Like I had to be creative and I had to think, okay, if I was going to be buying a show, what would I want to say? You know, what are some of the important things to me that, you know, would make me want to invest in this property? Well, for me, number one is the characters. If I don't like the characters, I'm not going to want to invest in the story. So mm -hmm. I make sure that I have the main characters and I have their descriptions. Then the second is the story. What is this? You know, what's what's the story? What's the next part? So then, OK, um, Chucky Chicken in Atlantis, Chucky Chicken Wild West, Chucky Chicken at the at the dance, Chucky Chicken uh, and, uh, you know, Chelsea and Cinderella. OK, cool. We got some really cool stories. We got some cool ideas. What's next? The world. You know, I want to see what these environments are going to look at. What's the quality that I'm going to be investing in? And that's where we have Inca and now we have Gabrielle who are doing these gorgeous backgrounds. And that, you know, when Tom saw those, he's like, oh, my God, these I just want to go into this world. I want to see this come to life. And that got me mm -hmm. excited. And then another thing that, you know, I put in there was the history of the project. I let people know how long I've been working on this. And I did a little mini bio, you know, started in 2008, a tribute to Ub Iwerks. And I showed screenshots of the first couple of cartoons in yeah. the concept packet, you know? Um, I think that's- Well, I think, I think the next episode should be all about, let's introduce people, sorry, I'm spitting all over the place. Let's over introduce people. Tank. Yeah, let Let's introduce people to what we are talking about. Okay. The the full depth of Chucky Chicken, uh, Mimsy and Dusty, Booger Files, Chicken Mecha Turtle. Okay. Because as I I've as I've committed in the past to you and Aaron, uh, my my properties I I would like to see launched under Valley Studios, right? And we would like to launch them with you. You know. So and let's. Let's talk about everything that's on the menu okay. type thing. And then I have and, a few ideas that I'd like to get drawn out besides Chucky Chicken. Um, yeah. I have a pirate adventure called Captain Cutter and the Last Pirates on Earth. Um, a, a Arabian Nights kind of gender-bended story called Aaliyah and Dean. Uh, mm -hmm. Or Aaliyah and Jean, where it's basically Aaliyah Dean who finds the genie and they become friends and they go and they experience the stories of the Arabian nights together. Um, mm -hmm. kind of like, um, uh, almost, uh, you know, avatar meets, um, the Arabian nights kind of deal or Korath meets mm -hmm. the Arabian nights meets Aladdin. Um, so we'll have a lot of visuals for that episode, like yes. a ton. Yes. And, uh, Okay, so episode seven of Producers Without a Clue will be a show and tell yes. uh, from yourself, myself, and just sort of putting the cards on the table. And 
That's exciting. I'm looking yeah. forward to that. I am too, you know, and this yeah. this will be fun because, you know, I already did one for Chucky e. Chicken. Now I'd like to do two or three more for the other projects. I've been thinking about yeah. this for a long time. I've been yeah. hesitant because I want to put all my eggs in Chucky e. Chicken, no pun intended, and I don't want to lose, tra- uh, so you know, <laughs> I don't want to lose traction on that. But there's yeah. nothing... What did you say? I missed your joke. What did you say? I I just went, oh, so, so bad. Such a bad yeah. thing. <laughs> Them's the yolks, you know? Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you crack me up. I should be tarred and feathered. Anyway. <laughs> cool. All right. Well, that. let's end it there. Okay. Um, so we have the task of we have to record a Patreon episode and we have to prepare for episode seven. Um, that's gonna take homework for both of us. Okay. We have to make like kind of pitch decks, right? For I got mine done. Uh, okay, show off. <laughs> <laughs> cool. I'm, I'm looking forward to I'm it. Surprised you don't have your. I mean, you I, have so I much do, but it's. I I have I have to amalgamate it, and there have been changes, so I have to um pick out what is no longer part of it and put the new stuff in. So gotcha. that makes sense. Yeah. But uh, anyway, okay, we'll end it there. Uh, thank you everybody for listening. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Brian. Always a All pleasure. Right, cool. And, uh, uh, and yeah. before we go, if you, uh, if you love this podcast, if you like what we're doing, please be sure to hit that like button. If you or yourself have, if you or somebody, you know, wants to learn more about the animation community and if you want to hear anything else about you know um or if they want if they don't have a clue share this video with them let them know that they're not alone and that we're also working on it you can find us on all of the social medias be sure to check out uh, brian's other podcast drawn to it podcast uh with new episodes every monday and of course we come out every tuesday so that's right and um also, be sure to check out the, the Chucky Chicken YouTube channel, Chucky Chicken Official. Um, just so you know, we recently hit 378 subscribers, Sweet. which is phenomenal. I love that. I'm hoping that. that maybe by the end of January we can hit 400. That would be just super cool. If I, I could get 100 subscribers a month throughout 2021, I'll hit 1,000 Oh man, I I still hope for twenty a month. Yeah. You're up to a hundred a month. Jeez. <laughs> you know, um, be sure to check us out on all our social media. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter. We're on an, I'm on Instagram. Uh, Info Mike Cook 07 and yeah, uh, you Chuck- can find uh, Drawn to It on Instagram as well. It's uh, the Drawn to It podcast, I think. Or okay. Uh, I, um, I'll, the link will be below. Everything that we're talking about below will be in the links. It uh, will be in the description down below. If you have any questions, yeah. uh, you can always uh, email us. Um, again, our email will be down. And, and I'd love to take like e- uh, sub- uh, uh, writer questions. I think that'd be a lot of fun. Let us Absolutely. know yeah. what are some ways that you, uh, you know, during this really creativity sucking period, what are some ways that you help booster your creativity? What are some things that you do to help get that spark reignited? We'd love to hear yeah, from you. Absolutely. Okay, cool. Signing right. off. Thanks, Bye. folks. <laughs>